You're listening to Love, Maine Radio with Dr. Lisa Belial, recorded in the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Dr. Lisa Belial is a physician trained in family and preventative medicine, acupuncture, and public health. She offers medical care and acupuncture at Brunswick Family Medicine. Read more about her integrative approach to wellness in Maine Magazine. Love, Maine Radio is available for download free on iTunes. See the Love Maine Radio Facebook page or www.lovemainradio.com for details. Now here are a few highlights from this week's program. I think to have really secure local food access, it can't just be owned by one person. People have to get involved on a greater level. And that was why I decided to become a co-op ultimately so that in five years, 10 years, I can make a choice about where we're going and it won't just be me holding everything up it will be 58 100 200 people who knows taking that ownership and making sure that this access still exists and continues to grow these farmers are passionate about what they do they actually believe in it it's not just an occupation some of them did not grow up in a farming family, but they've come from elsewhere and they actually deliberately came to Maine or perhaps they came back to Maine and launched a farming career. And it's a beautiful thing when, when these farmers come in and these food producers, whether they bring in their yogurt or their meat or their fresh vegetables, and you have these amazing conversations with them and you see a, a light in their eye about what they do and why they do it. And that's a beautiful thing. Love Maine Radio is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Harding Lee Smith of The Rooms, and Bangor Savings Bank. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 178, Food Cooperation, airing for the first time on Sunday, February 8th, 2015. Food co-ops are a once-radical idea whose time has come, again, building on people's desire for nourishing edibles that are locally and sustainably sourced, food co-ops offer an increasingly desirable alternative. Today we speak with Ann Hopkins of the Eastport Food Co-op and Kevin Gadsby of the Portland Food Co-op about their experiences as part of this exciting movement in Maine. Thank you for joining us. Today I have the opportunity to speak with somebody who um, actually was raised right in the next town over from my home, hometown, but now finds herself living all the way up in Eastport. So it's quite a privilege for us to have Ann Hopkins, who is the manager of the Eat Local Eastport Cooperative, in to talk with us on Love, Maine Radio. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Now, Ann, I'm kind of fascinated on many levels about your backstory. Because I know I live in Yarmouth. I was raised in Yarmouth. You were raised in Freeport. But you are way the heck up there now in Eastport, which is I, a beautiful part of the world. Yes. And yeah. every reason to be there. But but what are those reasons? Mm, I have to say the biggest reason that I love the Washington County community um, is there's an emphasis on family. There's an emphasis on knowing your neighbor. Um when I graduated from high school in Freeport, I actually traveled down to Brooklyn, New York, and I lived there for seven years. I got my BFA in graphic design, never used it, started working in kitchens, um, and started getting really interested in 
getting away from the standard American diet and uh, was doing lots of cleanses and raw food and things like that. And then every summer, I, uh, I was really missing Maine, you know, and I, I started going up to my family's camp, which I had been going to since I was really young, which is um, across the bay from Eastport in uh, a territory called Trescott, which is right uh, in from Lubeck. And um, cabin off the grid, I thought I was going to sort of go become a hermit in the woods up there. Um, and then I started getting involved. Um, I started making friends who were local uh, farmers, um, Carly and Aaron, um, Aaron Bell and Carly Del Signor at Tide Mill Organic Farm became very good friends of mine, and Rachel Bell, who runs Tide Mill Creamery. I started meeting all these people, and through them, I ended up meeting my husband. And then it's all it's all history from there. And that's what brought me to wonderful eSport. That's where he went to high school. Maine Magazine did an article on Tide Mill Farms, and um, we've really been interested in how we are able to eat locally and sustainably Mm -hmm. in a state that has a relatively short outdoor growing season. Um, Mm -hmm. But but this is something that we have been doing in this state for generations and generations. People, we we are a farming state, so we have that availability. It's just not the way that we think about it in California, say. Mm -hmm. Certainly. So tell me about your experience with this. First of all, let me start with... You started working in kitchens in Brooklyn. Yeah. And why that? Why food? Why did that appeal to you while you were getting your BFA? Um, well, it was actually after Hurricane Katrina, I ended up going down and doing disaster relief for about six months. And at that time, I, the greatest way I could plug in was working um, in the kitchens there because I just have that ability. And within that, I started learning about, you know, organizing inventory and, and caring for all of the other components, which uh, feeds into my the work that I do currently um, as a manager of the co-op. But food is a way to be creative without, um, with minimal waste, you know. I found that the creativity that food could provide me was really nice. It also gave me a paycheck where being an artist did not give me a paycheck. Um, And I could sustain myself that way. Um, Of course, when I moved to Washington County, uh, the supporting myself conversation changes drastically. We're a county living in poverty. The population of Eastport year-round is 1,300. There are less than 10 kids in each grade in the school small, small population, and um, the economics there are really challenging. And so I started to start compensating myself. Um, I had lots of time, and so I started working um, for Carly at Tide Mill to, um, I started organizing her office, and then she would pay me in food. And it ended up being a great situation, so I was doing running barter. Um, and at that time, my, my partner, um, he did web design work for Carly as well. And so he received barter too. So um, here we were 
living a financially very frugal lifestyle, but we were we were eating like kings. We always say, you know, I feel so rich when my freezer's filled with meat um, or produce, or um, and our refrigerator is full. You asked a question about uh, sort of that year-round growing season and and how how do we? That always makes me think like, well, how do we? get people to understand how much is available year-round and to start thinking about eating with the seasons. And I feel like that's become a lot of um, that education piece is a lot of the work in local food distribution and patients. Well, you described this organizational component and um, the inventory Mm -hmm. process. It seems like that is what we used to do. It used to be that we would have food actually growing at one time of the year. We would can it or we would somehow store it. And that's how we ate the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, maybe this is something that we've needed to start uh, reincorporating into our lives a little bit more if we want to actually eat locally. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I see a shift in my own the own, my own population that I serve. So I run um, Eat Local Eastport Co-op. I'm the manager there. I was the owner of it for four years before that. It was It's a pre-order buying club. Um, and we're current, there's three pre-order buying clubs in Washington County, one in Machias, one in Eastport, and one in Callis. And they were all started at the same time um, by Tide Mill Farm to have an access point for year-round distribution because the only... The only market at that seven years ago was farmers markets, which were open about two months out of the year. Um, And Carly was sitting there with milk, plenty of milk, plenty of meat, and um, she needed to figure out a way to get that out. So we started, you know, just sending out emails. This is what the availability is. Send us an order. And then it started with home deliveries, and then people started coming to my house. And then two years ago, we moved into a space in right in downtown Eastport. And then the focus of this past year has been um, incorporating as a co-op, and we're a hybrid co-op, so we're owned by both our producers and our consumers. Um, we currently have 58 members, which is actually pretty remarkable in our little in our little town. Um, I'm very, very pleased, and it, it's a, it's an amazing process to go from this. This was kind of an idea that I had that I wanted to create a co-op so that um, to really strengthen the conversation about our local food distribution. And my thought had been that with that ownership and that investment and that buy-in by the community, they would start getting really, um, the consumers specifically would get more engaged in talking about production, talking about their needs, talking about how do we help these producers and and do that to eat with the se- eat with the seasons and understand that like this is a bumper crop for onions, but you know, we don't have tomatoes this year. So like let's look at, you know, using those onions and and really working with what we have there. Describe this pre-order buying <laughs> yeah situation. Right, okay. The pre-order buying club is a great, it's a great option for a rural community because it provides access. I currently provide access to, depending on the time of year, over the course of the year, about 20 different producers. Um, but I stock minimal inventory. Um, 
so we have, I send out an email, it links to a website that has our full availability, um, and each of the producers supply me with that. And then my consumers have mm, roughly 48 hours to create, to submit an order. And then I calibrate all of those and I, um, and I get it back to the producers, and then they distribute, they um, deliver to one location, which is our location, and we break down the orders and have people's totals. So they basically come in, and there's a box waiting for them filled with their produce or meat or dairy or krauts or honey, and we just have a coffee roaster that started in um, Machaya, so we've been having coffee, which is pretty fun. Um, and we also order from Crown of Maine, so... There's a lot that's available. Um, so it's kind of like a, a CSA in that you say, I'm, I want this, and this comes. But it's specific. You can express exactly what you want. And you can come in and get half a gallon of milk um, for the week, or you can come and get you know $150 worth of groceries for the week. And I have consumers who do both things. So it is a little different from a CSA or um, community-sponsored agriculture in that, at least my experience has been that you you, you pay and they, they give you what there is, and right. there's not really if you if you don't eat rutabagas then you just end up with rutabagas. So they if you would like more onions then that's not necessarily available. But that so it sounds like you can be more specific with a buying club. Exactly. Um, it's like you have access to the whole grocery store, but you just have to plan ahead. For those listeners who haven't been to Washington County, um, we are a food desert. The town of Eastport has a, an IGA. Um, it's right across the street from my house. It's a great grocery store, um, but you can't get local produce there particularly. Um, and there is minimal organic food options. Um, you know, if you want to get natural recycled toilet paper, you're not going to be able to get that unless you go to the health food store in uh, Machias. So we, we really have um, a lack of access where we are, which is one of the amazing things about living where we live. The, the consumer piece of my life is far less. There's no real option to go to the store and buy much of anything. You really have to plan ahead. So the buying clubs are something that are used countywide to really provide access to these kinds of things. Um, and long term, you know, we're, we grow and grow and grow our consumership and our knowledge. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're a full-fledged business. We're co-op now. And we're, we're going to be able to hopefully open a store eventually and really offer this this you know this walk-in convenience shopping that we're all we all are accustomed to as Americans but currently we have to plan a little bit <laughs> so the co-op piece describe describe that so the evolution has been from um, buying club to co-op mm-hmm and you said that you now have a place where people can come, and this is this makes it more officially a co-op. Or describe to me what the difference between a buying club and a co-op. Uh, is. We're still a buying club um, in the services that we offer. Um, before we were operating, I was just the sole proprietor, um, and in this past year, we 
we met with many, many people and made many plans and, um, and have incorporated similar to what the Portland Food Co-op has done this year. And you described it as being both, it's a hybrid, co- hybrid co-op and that you have people who are producers and you have people who are consumers and there's Correct. an equal ownership on that? Um, yeah, so we, so the business structure being a co-op and a hybrid co-op, as I said, which means that it's owned by both producers and consumers. Um, we have 10 producer members and we have 48 consumer members. So you can see there's a discrepancy there. But we, as a steering community, committee and now board, um, well, I'm not on the board, I'm the manager, but um, thought that it was really important that this not just become about the consumer conversation. Of course, most of this will be consumer driven because that's, you know, that's the majority of the people using it. But um, the Eat Local Eastport started as an access point for producers. I started doing this work both to feed my family but also to facilitate my local agriculture, Washington County local agriculture, and to support my farmers. You know, I've been working with some of these farmers, you know, for four years. Um, They've been involved in the buying club even before that. So um, we're really lucky to have their dedication. we have equal membership. Everybody has one vote. It's not like the producers own half of the co-op and the consumers own half of the co-op. We all own it um, collaboratively and together. Um, and one of the goals is that that will really create an active conversation about production every winter. So the producers will be in the room and the consumers will all be in the room, which is a challenge to get producers in a room. <laughs> um, they're very, very busy. And the I think that the co-op model will really help facilitate a conversation. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, it's not just me communicating, oh, the consumers want this. Oh, the producers only have this. Um, it's great that people will be able to be in one room together. Here on Love, Maine Radio, we've long recognized the link between health and wealth. Here to speak more on the topic is Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. Wouldn't it be great if we could spend our days doing all the things we dreamed of while gazing up at the stars on a crystal clear night? Yet for most people, and I include myself in that group, the realities of daily living prevent it from happening. We all have responsibilities to our employers, our families, people who rely on us to be there for them. But what if you could get to a place where you're able to reinvent yourself and start a new journey that was more fulfilling? What if you could define what true north meant and find your star and start walking towards it? What if you had the money to embark on a second life because financial worry had fallen off your radar? This, my friends, is what I call the seventh state of your financial evolution. While I'm certainly not there yet, I'm here to help you get there. It's time to evolve. Get in touch with Shepherd Financial, and we'll help you evolve with your money. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Bangor Savings Bank. 
For over 150 years, Bangor Savings has believed in the innate ability of the people of Maine to achieve their goals and dreams. Whether it's personal finance, business banking, or wealth management assistance you're looking for, at Bangor Savings Bank, you matter more. For more information, visit www.bangor.com. So when you say that people have each have a vote, mm-hmm. what types of things do you vote on? What does the conversation entail? Well, the the biggest the biggest part of their vo- of the the member owner voice will be um, will be electing the board, and the board will make the majority of the decisions and um, for the co-op and oversee the manager um, and the workers. Um, However, if there were a time where currently we only, we offer all Maine-produced foods, we don't really, well, except for the peaches that Crown of Maine gets from Massachusetts every summer, I think everything else comes from Maine. And so at some point there may be a conversation co-op-wide about whether we want to introduce more natural foods, Um, you know, we want to have deodorant toothpaste, I don't know, those sorts of things. Um, there may be conversations about our, our product quality, um, whether we want to work with only certified organic producers, whether um, you know whether we're going to have GMO products in, in our shop, whether we're going to be using main grow, you know, we know our producer, we know what their growing practices are, but they're not certified organic, whether it's conventional, all of these things, looking at making those decisions. And those are really complicated decisions, you know? Well, that that is something that, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about that we would love to, all of us, I think, who are aware, would love to have foods that are Local, sustainable, um, certified organic, GMO-free, all of the really great things that we know food could ideally be. But yeah. but most foods aren't all of those things. You know, this, this is a hard thing to acknowledge, but it's true. Yeah. Recently, I was on a panel discussion at the University of Maine and Machias uh, with Carly Del Signor and Jim Gerritsen from Wood Prairie Farm. And we, the conversation was about organic food versus local food, basically. That's what it boiled down to. And one of the things that Jim was really talking about, he's like, when I go to the store or, you know, when I'm purchasing my food, I ask myself a few questions. Does it come from a family farm? Is it certified organic? And those, those pieces kind of came together for me at that moment and I was thinking cuz cuz it is it's a it's a funny conversation you know currently you know my family eats a lot of popcorn right i've got a 1 year old and a 4 year old <laughs> and and currently you know i can get main grown popcorn but it's conventionally grown or i can you know order or purchase um organic popcorn and I get really stuck on it. I still can't answer it. I go, is it better for me to be supporting the the main grown popcorn that has been grown with pesticides? Or is it better for me to be feeding my kids this organic popcorn and I don't know where it was grown? And that's that's such a big 
conversation that we have to have or it, it just it keeps rolling around and supporting the family farm is so important you know I mean we all hear this and see this and you know it kind of comes back again and again that the family farm is so important and the small-scale family farm especially um, or even the medium-scale family farm and this is this work that you're doing is very important to you mm-hmm. um, eating local, buying local, obviously you, you know, professionally are working on this, but it's, it's a part of what you do. You also have two small children. You also, you have already a BFA, but you're spending time at the main college of art and you're doing work in bookbinding. So I think this is, it just illustrates for me that, um, local food and food choices are a are a part of a much bigger picture in people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I'm doing local food work currently. I mean, I'm an artist. I've always been an artist. Of course, then I had, I became a mother and that was sort of, um, that took over my life a little bit. And one of the things that my husband Rafi and I love about living in where we do is that we've really both made a choice to be home with our children. We both work part-time. The other half of the time we both spend with our kids. They're always with one of us. Um, And that's the most important thing, right, at the end of the day for us is that. But at the same time, like, this, this access to local food, you know, if somebody is not working very hard on it in Washington County, it's not happening. And luckily, there's lots of people working really hard on it in Washington County. And statewide, of course, we see this. But it is, yeah, it is just a piece of it. And that's part of the reason that um, I really pushed forward with the co-op this year is that, um, you know, Eat Local Eastport was just me before this. Um, and I didn't I didn't think that that was really actually, mm, I want to use the word appropriate, but um, I think to have really secure local food access, it can't just be owned by one person. People have to get involved on a greater level. Um, and that was why I decided to become a co-op ultimately so that in five years, 10 years, I can make a choice about where we're going and it won't just be me holding everything up. It will be, um, you know, 58, 100, 200 people, who knows, um, taking that ownership and making sure that this access still exists and continues to grow and allowing me to maybe pursue wherever wherever the uh, the arts take me hopefully where do you think that's going to be hmm well I'd love to have a textile design studio but we'll see where we go one of the reasons why I think this is such an important conversation is because if you want to have a textile design studio but it's also really important to you that you live in Eastport where your husband's family is from and and for you to raise your children there that this is a conversation that kind of needs to be held in many different parts of Maine because there's a lot of rural Maine and there are a lot of very creative people. So in order for people to um, really exist in a sustainable way, the food conversation needs to be taking place um, 
just as much as the employment conversation or the arts conversation in, in a in a bigger manner. Yeah, and I mean the great thing is as the local food economy grows, it's creating jobs. Like I went from just sort of doing this as one of the many things that I do in my life, um, while I specifically while I was having babies. Um, to now I'm, you know, I'm an, I'm an employee now. And that's created a job and it will continue to create jobs. Um, you know, we have trucks that get driven up and down the road. Those are jobs. Um, of course, all of our producers have jobs and as they, you know, are, are earning some income, but as some of these farms start to grow, it's, it's creating jobs. I have many, many of my friends uh, work specifically for Tide Mill Farm, just because it's such a large, um, I mean, it's the largest farm in Washington County. Um, and, of course, they have their new chicken processing facility that's happening. That's The plan is it will. it's going to be USDA certified, so it'll be able, the chicken will be able to go across state lines, and they're, gonna, they're planning to be able to process 20,000 pasture-raised organic chickens a year, which is... A huge number of chickens, um, but that's creating jobs, you know? It's really, it's important. Yeah. It's exciting to think about this because you already mentioned that now you have access to coffee, which yeah. is locally roasted, and you're talking about chickens, which um, are going to be, I'm assuming that, I mean, we've always had chicken processing in Maine or for many years, but I'm assuming this is going to be done in a more humane way, more sustainable way. Yeah, I will currently, um, you know, you can go into the Portland Food Co-op, you can go into the Belfast Food Co-op, you can go up and down the coast and you can get Tide Mill Organic Chicken. Um, they're being processed in a pretty small trailer right now um this facility will mean really much better work environments for the workers specifically it also means they're going to be able to process year-round which creates a huge amount of access to fresh chicken um i feel like one of the the hard parts of local food meat specifically is that it's often frozen and that's not what you know that that's not what i grew up you know going to shop and save and I, I wasn't getting frozen meat. You know, we were getting fresh meat. And and having more access to fresh meat is a huge, it's huge for our customers, huge for our consumers. And now we also have, um, we have grain that's locally milled totally. in Maine. So it's nice that Washington County, which was once known basically for blueberries, is now becoming, again, this really amazing um, resource of locally grown other things, chickens and other things that Tide Mill produces. <laughs> totally, and and so many other producers, and there's just so much room still. There's so much room. Um, and that's one of the things is, you know, we have our Washington County producers who, you know, most of my producers are do vegetables, um, not much storage crops at this point. Um, that's starting to shift a little bit. Um, and the Crown of Maine has been a really wonderful access point because it shows us, um, it supports the Washington County producers because you know, we're filling in the gaps from st statewide from our Washington County produ production, but that creates the market so that 
our local producers can come in and fill, start filling in so we can get carrots more year-round that are grown even closer, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. And, of course, grain is amazing. And it's been very interesting to hear about um, the process that you've personally been able to be involved in um, in making local food more available to the people in your community. How can people find out about Eat Local Eastport? Um, I think the, the simplest way is to just do a Google search for Eat Local Eastport. Um, that will bring you to our, um, our online ordering system, which is called Harvest to Market. Um, and then we also have a Facebook page, Eat Local Eastport. Well, I appreciate your coming in and speaking with us today. We've been talking with Ann Hopkins, who is the manager of the Eat Local Eastport Cooperative and also artist and mother of two. Um, keep up the good work. It's really good that you're making this um, food, this nourishment available not only to your family, but helping make it available to the people who live in your community. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate your time. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. When was the last time you took a break from what you were doing, from the work that was piled up on your desk, and just looked up? I know that during the course of my days, I often forget to take a moment or two to just breathe, look up at the sky, and dream. Terrible that I have to remind myself to breathe, but when I do, I feel energized because in those moments, I'm able to let go of the daily grind and think more about what I want to accomplish, how I want my business to grow. Sometimes those are the aha moments. If we all took a few moments out each day to stop what we are doing and dream a little about our business futures, not only would we feel a great sense of calm, but we may come to realize that these dreams can, in fact, come true. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need. BoothMaine.com this segment of Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Before we move to our next guest, I thought you might be interested to hear an update on my situation. Several weeks ago, I revealed to you that I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm happy to report that my surgery was successful and they were able to remove all of the cancer. I'm perhaps even happier to report that the genetic testing I chose to have performed was negative. So my two daughters and four sisters are not apparently more at risk than the general population. This is an indescribable relief. As we are recording this, it is exactly two weeks to the day that I had a bilateral mastectomy with lymph node biopsy. The beginning of my breast reconstruction began that day as well. Those of you who have had this procedure or know someone who has understand that this is significant surgery impacting not only the chest wall, but also the arms. Yesterday, I was told that I can now lift up to four pounds, the equivalent of a half gallon. This is a vast improvement. 
I'm still not able to drive, nor have I been able to return to my medical practice. I won't be cleared to run for several weeks, but I've been walking miles around the small main island on which I live. This is one of the most healing practices I could possibly engage in. I'm also able to use my voice, and thus I was able to return to record the radio show and interview the wonderful guests who become part of our radio family. To have a job I love and work with people I love is a great gift. Equally wonderful is the chance to connect with each one of you. Thank you for listening to our show each week and for being part of our story. We at Love Maine Radio and Maine Magazine know that we could not do what we do without you. In particular, thank you for being part of my personal story. Your kind messages through email, social media, text, and letters have been greatly appreciated. I have felt loved and supported throughout this most interesting breast cancer journey. You are each a part of that. I may no longer have the breasts that God gave me, but I know that I am cancer-free, and more importantly, I am surrounded by love. Thank you, my friends, for sharing your light with me. Here on Love, Maine Radio, food is a topic that comes up for us quite a lot, as we know that nourishing ourselves is an important aspect of health and wellness. Today we have with us Kevin Gadsby. Kevin is the general manager of the recently opened Portland Food Co-op. Previously, he was general manager of Good Turn Co-op in Rockland, and he also worked at Rising Tide Co-op in Damascata. Thanks so much for coming in and talking to us today. Sure. Thank you very much. So the food co-op is an idea that's been around for a long time. And you've been working in various food co-ops a good part of your life. It's, it's not a usual sort of straight path occupation from, from what I've seen. How did you get to be doing this? Right. Well, I've been in the natural foods industry for roughly 20 years. Um, started in college, worked at the local health food store. I was actually a member of the local co-op in town. And there was really a sense of uh, community, in a sense, especially at the, at the co-op. Um, you felt like it was partly yours, and you took identity with it. And uh, there's something to be said about that, especially when you couple that with food. Because um, to me, um, what I often talk about is that the essence of food is community. It's bringing people together. It's sharing. It's cultivation. It's all these things. And uh, creates something really beautiful that people take identity with. And so being in the natural foods business, um, I had the opportunity to manage different places. I started uh, small businesses, and uh, I came up to Maine a few years ago. My wife is originally from Maine. And we had been living in the Boston area for roughly 14 years. Uh, with three kids in tow, uh, we felt like we needed a change. And so we thought Maine might be a good place to raise our kids. So we came up to Maine. And there was an opportunity at the time to purchase a privately owned um, natural food store. And I went to work for them. Didn't work out as far as acquiring the business. But um, from there, since we moved to Maine, um, we've met some pretty amazing folks very talented, very creative people, people who, who often tell the story, or we've heard the story often told, I guess I should say, from several of the folks that we've met, that they came to Maine, didn't know if they were going to stay, but then couldn't leave. Um, and that's where we find ourselves. So through various connections with friends and so forth, um, a good friend of ours at the time, I was working in uh, Rising Tide, Damascata, at the co-op there. and. Um, Another friend of ours uh, told us of an opportunity in Rockland at the co-op there and said, you know, they're looking for a general manager. And at the time, actually, I should say, we were deliberating 
as to whether we were going to stay in Maine or whether we should head back to Massachusetts. And we were just on the cusp of heading back to Massachusetts. And we said, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's try the Rockland thing and see what happens. And so sent my resume um, and ended up as the general manager there in Rockland. And the experience there was uh, amazing. Um, the Good Turn Co-op's been around for 30 years. And uh, uh, they've been doing well. A uh, small co-op, but uh, when I got there, um, I, I'm, I give my full heart to whatever I do. So I got there and I started immediately seeing ways that we could grow and expand and and it happened. Uh, we grew, I think the first year we grew at the rate of about 25% over the previous year. Um, we were able to hire five more people during the time that I was there. And the most exciting part of that for me is um, we were able to grow in our little place, the local food economy as much as we could by bringing in product made by main producers. And I think that's the most exciting part of it for me is uh, not only being able to create a a work environment that empowers people to grow and excel and do their job well, but also there's something really special going on in Maine right now with food. You're originally from elsewhere. Uh, I was born and raised in the Philadelphia area. Uh, went to school in Michigan, and uh, and then again ended up in in the Boston area. Yeah, for a number of years. What was it about the natural food scene? that attracted you initially when you were going to school as mm-hmm. a, in, in Michigan as a college student. Right, right. That's, that's not something that every college student ends up being interested in. Sure, yeah. Um, well, at the time, I was a philosophy and religion major, and so there was lots of questions about life and existence and, you know, on and on. And during that time frame, I had contracted Lyme disease. Extremely debilitating. Um, this was back in like 92, 93. Um, and in fact, I had contracted living on a farm in Pennsylvania. And uh, I think at the time, Lyme disease was not nearly as prevalent as it is t- today. Um, lived on this beautiful farm, rolling hills. I would walk down through these fields and to the creek and deer were everywhere. And I thought nothing of it. Um, ended up in Vermont uh, subsequent to that and was Uh, became bedridden, pretty much. Um, Totally debilitating. Uh, I was in bed for at least three weeks. I could hardly eat. I could not walk. I could not, I mean, I literally could not move. I was laid out. Doctors had no idea what was happening with me. Um, Finally, I called an uncle of mine who was in Philadelphia, and I explained the symptoms of what was happening to me, and immediately he said, it sounds like you have Lyme disease. So I flew back home to Philadelphia, got treated for Lyme disease, went on these heavy-duty antibiotics, and a good friend of mine, um, their family, they were old hippies and herbalists and naturalists and, I mean, organic food and everything. And so when they heard what had happened to me, and especially that I had to go on pretty intensive antibiotic treatment, um, immediately got me on homeopathics, uh, cleansing, probiotics, organic food, juicing, and, you know, the works. And I really do believe, both with the care that was extended to me through them and the wholesome food that they were feeding me, that I don't have any repercussions from Lyme disease. As actually, I know many people that have had Lyme disease over the years, and several people just can't quite kick it. They can't get over it. And I actually 
am a firm believer that it was through the dietary choices and the lifestyle choices that I made back then that uh, I don't have any ill effects from Lyme disease these days. So that's kind of what launched my passion for food. And, and food is medicine, really. Well, I agree. And I also agree that it's to be offered in such a loving and nurturing way is very important. So yeah. equally important to the idea that food is medicine is the person that's giving it to you cares about you or is making suggestions for homeopathic remedies or whatever that is. And that's what is also interesting to me, that this idea of a co-op, it's, it's not just you go in and you buy something, you're a consumer. It's this idea that you're with a group of like-minded individuals who also feel like this is an important thing to them, food. Right. And I've, and I've certainly experienced that um, with many of our relationships with food producers and farmers and so forth, because uh, we deal with them not just as business folks in a business relationship, but you actually get to know them. You actually become friends with them. You talk about life and the world and why we exist and, and what is, how does food fit into that picture. And so many of the folks I've met in Maine in particular these farmers are passionate about what they do. They actually believe in it. It's not just an occupation. Some of them did not grow up in a farming family, but they've come from elsewhere, and they actually deliberately came to Maine, or perhaps they came back to Maine and launched a farming career. And it's a beautiful thing when, when these farmers come in and these food producers, where they bring in their yogurt or their meat or their fresh vegetables and so forth, and and you have these amazing conversations with them, and you see a, a light in their eye about what they do and why they do it, and that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing because it's not just, food is not just about its physical constituents. It's about the energy that's put into its production. Right. So really to know that you're eating something that somebody really cared enough about to do it in a high-quality way, in a, in a mindful way, I think that that actually is healing in and of itself. I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And we have the opportunity, so now in Portland, um, we, we're literally adding new product weekly, if not daily, from main producers, whether it's, like I said, I mean, I mentioned a few things, but cheese, yogurts, raw milk. Somebody came in with a, with a beautifully packaged organic cracker the other day, and it was just, it wasn't just a cracker. <laughs> it was full of all kinds of main goodness, and, and, but there was beauty in the packaging, and, and the person was great to talk to, and, and uh, so that's, that's probably one of the most satisfying things about it, is to see this emerging food culture happening, and that's really um, what drew me to Portland um, from Rockland, because things were actually going quite well in Rockland at the co-op there. Um, I, we were doing well, we had a great staff, great devoted team of people there, um, and the opportunity came. In fact, I'll tell you how it happened. As the general manager there, um, I caught wind that Portland was putting together a food co-op, and um, they were looking for, uh, well, actually, at the time, we went through an interior renovation up there in Rockland. We, we got all new shelving, new refrigeration, and so forth, and we had stored all of our old equipment in a warehouse. And some of the folks that were starting up the Portland Food Co-op had heard about our storehouse of equipment and inquired about it. And um, I met with them, and we ended up donating all of the old shelving, some old refrigeration, an old produce case, and so forth, to the Portland Food Co-op at the time to help them get going. And, um, and that equipment was able to be used 
as collateral for a major loan that the Portland Food Co-op obtained from an entity called the Cooperative Fund of New England, which was a huge jumpstart for them. And at that time, I had no intention of even thinking about becoming the general manager of the Portland Food Co-op. Um, and it wasn't until months later that uh, I saw the posting for general manager at Portland Food Co-op. And again, it was the same kind of situation. I said to my wife, I don't know if I should do this. Things are going well in Rockland. Why do I need to do this? One thing led to another. And uh, I signed up, sent my resume, and uh, was accepted as the general manager. And started in, in May in 2014. And uh, it's been an amazing process to get this place going. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention, focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled, you need attention, advice, and individual care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. Experience chef and owner Harding Lee Smith's newest hit restaurant, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room, Maine seafood at its finest. Joining sister restaurants The Front Room, The Grill Room, and The Corner Room, this newly renovated two-story restaurant at 86 Commercial Street on Custom House Wharf overlooks scenic Portland Harbor. Watch lobstermen bring in the daily catch as you enjoy baked stuffed lobster, raw bar, and wood-fired flatbreads. For more information, visit www.theroomsportland.com. What you're describing is a very... Um kind of a, a network of positive feedback, which I really like because I think that it, it would be easy for you to have said, I had Lyme disease, my life is built around my Lyme disease. You could have gone in a very negative direction with that. And instead you're like, I had Lyme disease. I, you know, this was the direction my life took and it really was a positive thing and I'm better for this experience and now I'm gonna bring this positive um, outlook on life to the work that I do. And it sounds like the kind of feedback that you get when you put that positive out there is also very positive. I mean, it must make it a nice place to work. It's a great place to work, yeah. And, and um, I think part of that is I've learned to, especially having served in management positions over the years, to really instill um, an attitude of trust to my employees or my coworkers where I, I, I give them freedom to do their job. I'm not a micromanager. Um, I certainly have oversight, but what I communicate, in fact, I communicate it throughout the interview process when we would interview people. You know, we'd ask them, so what is your ideal workplace and what is your ideal work um, ethic and how do you view management and so forth? Um, but when trust is given to other people, I think it empowers them. And, and, and when more responsibility is added to people and you step back and let them do their job, even if they make mistakes, that's all part of it. But that, that ability to trust and extend trust and be trusted is so valuable and so important. Um, and it's so rewarding um, to be able to do that. 
and and so I speak to that because I, I speak of that work culture, and and uh, how rewarding it is. So when I said it's a great place to work, I think that's that's all part of it. It's uh, that that ability to extend that to other people. There was also at one point um, a very rich natural food scene in Portland. I know that um, the Good Day Market at one point existed, also the Whole Grocer at one point existed. Then when Wild Oats came into town, the Good Day, I mean, the, the Whole Grocer went away. And, and I'm wondering if there haven't been people who have been kind of silently waiting to see what would happen next. Because we do have a great large chain natural food store, but there is something very different about the smaller places. Right. In fact, we have um, probably daily people come in and reminisce about about the whole grocer in particular. Um, that seemed to be the the community market for years, and uh, and we often get people come in and say, "Oh, it reminds me of the whole grocer." And and in fact, um, we interviewed several people. Um, during the interview process uh, that had worked at Whole Grocer, and a few in particular who had worked for Whole Grocer, and then through that transition with Whole Grocer and Whole Foods and Wild Oats, they worked for they went from Whole Grocer to Wild Oats to Whole Foods and full circle now back to the Portland Food Co-op. And so we at least have one employee um, that went through that whole um, series of events. And... Um, you know, I, I, I say this not to criticize any other entity at all, but, but to say that there is something special about the smaller, more intimate space uh, that people identify with. Um, it's, not, it's not too overwhelming. It's warm. It's inviting. Um, you know, you can find each other <laughs> with ease. Um, there, there's a real uh, social aspect of it where you're all there together in this little space. And, uh, yeah. I also think that when you are in a smaller space, if there's something that you have a particular interest in, you can share that knowledge. What I've noticed, uh, I live closer to Royal River Natural Foods. Mm -hmm. And when I go into Royal River, there's a person that seems to have quite an extensive background in, for example, supplements. I think that's really worthwhile to know that what you have, what you can bring to the table is valued. Um, whether it's about supplements, whether it's about, I don't know, grains in the bulk section, or whether it's about fruits and vegetables and how to cook them. And I think to feel as though what you have experienced in your life matters, I think that's big. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And um, I know the staff that we have now, they're, they're passionate about what they do. Um, they're passionate about food. They're, um, and they extend that passion to, to the folks that come in. And it means something to people. I mean, uh, you know, how often do you go in and have a conversation with somebody in the dairy aisle about, about this crafted yogurt or kefir that's on the shelf and who made it and where it came from and who the farmer's names are and things like this. It's very special to people. You have three children. I do. And you're married to a woman from Maine. Yes. It seems as though in order to do the job that you do, you would have needed significant, first of all, family support. I mean, you needed to have a wife who said, yes, go take this next job. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll be there. Um, but also, I would think that you would, it, the work that you do would sort of suffuse your family environment, the love of food, for example, or the importance of cooperation. Has this become kind of a lifestyle thing for you and your 
your family? It has, absolutely. Um, and in fact, I've been very fortunate to have worked in the environments that I have over the years to be able to bring my children into that environment. And um, you'll often find my son, David, working with me on Sundays at the co-op. Uh, he loves it. I mean, and all three of them. I have uh, two girls and a boy in the middle. So, um, but all three of them, they, they, they long for the day when they can come to work with me and be a part of that. Because I think they too, they feel this sense of community. It's not just what dad does, but they, they go there and they jump right in with the other folks that work there. And there's a real sense of belongingness, I think, even for them. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And how old are your kids now? 14, 11, and 7. So this is your 11-year-old that likes yes. to go in the store. That's right. kind of an interesting thing for an 11-year-old boy to be interested in working at a food co-op. Right. Exactly. I know it. And he's, he's, he's a super athlete, too, and you'd think he'd just want to go off and play ball and things like this. But he actually, when, when I'm getting ready to go to work, and if it's on the weekend and he's home, he begs to go with me. So I feel privileged for that. For people who are interested in the Portland Food Co-op and would like to maybe perhaps become a member or maybe stop by, where would you direct them for more information? Sure. Well, we've got a, quite a wealth of information on our website, uh, www.portlandfood.coop. Um, also, they can send us an email at info at portlandfood.coop. Uh, you can join right on the website, um, or you can stop in. And of course, we're open to everyone, not just member owners as well. I will plan to go back again myself. I've been there one time. Um, it's up on the hill, is it not? Correct. We are at 290 Congress Street. Yes, in the Rite Aid Plaza. Well, I really appreciate your coming in and talking to us today about the co-op and um, about the work that you've done. And I agree with you that food is medicine, so I would highly recommend anybody that's looking to um, enrich that part of their lives to look into the Portland Food Co-op. We've been speaking with Kevin Gadsby, who is the general manager of the recently opened Portland Food Co-op. And for people who would like more information, please feel free to visit their website or to visit their store up on... 290 Congress Street. 290 Congress Street. Thanks so much for coming in, Kevin. Thank you. You have been listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 178, Food Cooperation. Our guests have included Ann Hopkins and Kevin Gadsby. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com. Love, Maine Radio is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love, Maine Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter and see my running, travel, food, and wellness photos as Bountiful One on Instagram. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love, Maine Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love, Maine Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. I hope that you have enjoyed our food cooperation show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. Love, Maine Radio is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Harding Lee Smith of The Rooms, and Bangor Savings Bank. Love, Maine Radio with Dr. Lisa Belial is recorded in the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. 
Our executive producers are Susan Grisanti, Kevin Thomas, and Dr. Lisa Belial. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Content producer is Kelly Clinton, and our online producer is Ezra Wolfinger. Love Main Radio is available for download free on iTunes. See the Love Main Radio Facebook page or go to www.lovemainradio.com for details. <laughs> <laughs>